my god. I did not expect to have such a transcendental journey with this week's album, 36 Crazy Fist, Bitterness the Star. Honestly, I went through so many layers of mental questioning and self-doubt and introspection that I honestly have not had for so long, if ever. And I cannot believe that it was 36 Crazy Fists that brought it on. And that in itself is what brought it on because I was running to this album, listening to it and just loving it, like remembering it, being like, yes, yes, this is great. And then I started thinking, but I didn't really enjoy Primus. Like I didn't connect with the creative eccentric genius Les Claypool. And that's everything I preach for, you know, someone who creates their own world, who isn't afraid to take risks. I remember listening to Tomahawk and being like, I can't wait for the next episode. We're going to do 36 Crazy Fists. That's listening to Mike Patton, one of the voices of our generation, one of the most creative powerhouses there is in alternative music. Someone who was always pushing the boundaries and doing incredible stuff. And meanwhile, I'm like, can't wait for 36 crazy fists. What, 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 what is that thinking? Tomahawk. It has the guy from the Jesus lizard. It has the guy from Helmet and Battles. It has the guy from the Melvins. That is pure punk rock credibility. Tried and tested right there in these last few bands that I've mentioned. And I'm still just like, 36 Crazy Fists. Hell yeah, this really resonates with me. But I do not know what part of it resonates with me. And that's where I started to become unraveled. Because as I'm listening to 36 Crazy Fists, the whole time I'm questioning, why do I like this? Which in turn made me not like it. I could not get out of my own head about this. I couldn't figure it out. What is it about Brock, the singer from 36 Crazy Fists, singing this? Like, what is it about that that gets into my ears and goes straight to my soul and bounces from my brain to my heart? And what is it about my personality that can't just sit back and enjoy it and be like, yes, this is a great jam. I don't have to contextualize everything. I can just sit back without analyzing and just enjoy it. You're out there, you're running along the river, you've got 36 crazy fists in your ears. Life's good. Why am I stacking up all these past comments that I've made on this soon-to-be award-winning podcast, But Your Death Trip? against this band am i full of absolute shit most likely is my personality just a house of cards that has been absolutely demolished by brock and his gang from anchorage alaska how well could i truly know myself if my very essence has been rattled by slip wrist theory and bitterness the star Is this why I need constant stimulation? Is this why I refuse to sit still? Because if I just pause for a brief moment, all of these feelings and internal observations will come flooding in and I will realize I am just absolutely full of shit and I love 36 Crazy Fists. And if someone asked me why, I would not have an answer. This is what's been going in my head for a week and yet I still have really enjoyed this album which got me thinking maybe 
for me, 36 Crazy Fist has an X factor. Am I trying to quantify the unquantifiable? You cannot measure X factor. That is, by its very definition, you cannot measure it. And it's something that speaks to you on a certain level that not even you're aware of. You cannot put it into words. So, Psychonaut, please get me out of this mental spiral. If I said bands with X Factor or a musician with X Factor, who comes to mind for you? Oh, with an X Factor. That's a really interesting point. Because could it be that the idea of an X Factor is just kind of subjectively what you find enjoyable about the band that other people have gravitated to? It's a very big question for a 36 Crazy Fists episode, let's be honest there. 89 episodes in, I'm like, oh, this is fucked. This album has broken me. I don't know who I am anymore. Probably for me, a a band that I've mentioned a couple of times called Piston. Because I don't know why, it's just kind of like Morrissey meets Typo Negative, the soft era Morrissey, because I know that Pete Steele was influenced by Morrissey just with his moribund way that he'd sing and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I think Pissed On. I don't know anyone else who likes that band, but uh, it's it always does very well on my Spotify end of year list. You know, there's other bands out there that are probably way better, but there's just something about the shoegazy kind of vibe that that band do and just the fun with how morose they can be sometimes. So, yeah, I'd I'd say that for me, that is a band with an X factor. Like, I can't quite put my finger on why I like them, but I do. Probably another easy one to, to say as well is, is Cannibal Corpse. You know, I don't like Cannibal Corpse's album artwork. I think sometimes Cannibal Corpse's lyrics are a bit edgelordy and cringy, but there's still just something about them that makes them likable. I think it's probably because maybe George Corpse Grinder Fisher is a big uh, video game nerd. Uh, he's a big World of Warcraft fan. So I think, Although lyrically and visually, it's not really my thing. Certainly not anymore, at least. The fact that he's quite a personable character, maybe that is the X factor in a band like Cannibal Corpse. I actually thought about that because listening to interviews with Brock, he just seems like such a great, easygoing dude. And I was speaking to a couple of people who've toured with them or know them, and they're like, no, they're really, really great dudes. So maybe that comes across in the music as well. Like it's not overly pretentious or maybe they just have a a good sense of humor maybe it's because of the fact they're from like a smaller town as well maybe i resonate with that on some sort of subliminal level yeah where are they from anchorage alaska whoa you don't really hear much about the music scene from alaska do you no and for a band from alaska fuck they are comfortable playing in shorts i mean alaska is up near canada isn't it yep if i'm trying to get my geography correct yeah it's like you could look over the edge of Alaska and see the impending nuclear war that's happening in Russia. Maybe they've picked up a bit of that Canadian sensibility being so close to the border with them. Yeah, potentially. Maybe it's a really humbling place or I don't know. It's a, it's a really small town place. I don't know. I just connect with it on, on some level and I'm not super sure why. And Ez from Space Goat was like, you got to do 36 Crazy Fist. She really likes this album. And listening to it, I'm like, Oh, 
I reckon I've torn apart albums that were probably better than this. Yeah. But I fucking loved pretty much every second of this. But I would be incredibly embarrassed for anyone to catch me listening to this. And, in fact, if you see me on the streets, I will deny that I've ever said any of this. It was one of those albums I bought just off the strength of a single. Slit Wrist Theory? Yes. uh, Yeah, definitely. It was that song that was getting absolutely rotated on um, a rotations on music television. And, you know, there were other things there that were definitely a lot more popular, definitely a lot more within the kind of annals of, you know, yeah, this is the metal community, but it's that bridge now that it's taking the, the mainstream psyche. So they didn't come across as one of those bands like Papa Roach, Alien Ant Farm, definitely Linkin Park without question and i'm not saying that none of them deserved that but it just seemed for me like i'm gonna buy that album and it was like i think for sale for something like 10 pounds over here hmv when they used to sell off all of their old stuff i think i picked that up with a second copy of murder dolls at the same time but i'm with you it was it's a case of this album's all right you know it's nothing mind-blowing or anything like that but they just seem like likable, energetic, and enjoyable, much in the same way as Taproot, you know? Like, I shouldn't really enjoy Taproot as much as I should, but they all seem incredibly likable, and they've got an X factor. Now, I th- I think now we're talking aloud about it, I've got a theory what the X factor is for bands like that. All right, is it a top button-up shirt? Par for course, isn't it, you know? Like, you can't be in a... Uh, Oh, I was punk band without wearing um, three-quarter length dickies. That goes without saying. Is the X factor the fact that they do melancholy really well within their music? Mm. You know, especially with them slit wrist theory or wrist theory, as it's called in some places. It's the very powerful, and then it becomes almost anguished, and then back into powerful again. That change from heavy to anguish, especially with them. Um, Slitterist theory going from quite an abrasive pre-chorus into the chorus. That's the melancholy. That's the twist. That's the, oh, this is quite emotional and heartfelt. Same with Poem by Taproot and Mine by Taproot and all of Taproot. Hey, Stephen. So maybe that is the X Factor. The X Factor isn't a sense of the musicianship behind it. Maybe like we're peeling back the layers. We're growing up. The more podcasts that we get into And now we're starting to talk about how emotionally it quantifies with a listener rather than, you know, just, oh, it's really heavy and it's really well written. That's that's my honest to God theory about bands like 36 Crazy Fists. Two white males in their mid to late 30s finally discover their feelings once removed from the, you know, the crippling high school system. Was it? one of those few albums where you felt that it honestly captured the emotion of a person because it seemed after slip, I mean, Slipknot did it quite well, but then when Slipknot took the whole, these are my feelings and I'm going to set it to some heavy music as opposed to the, the old school kind of sunny day, real estate, early Jimmy world era of emo music. I feel with Slipknot, I got anger and aggression from that. I didn't get melancholy. No, I, I got melancholy. What What about Iowa? Towards the end of Iowa? 
Yeah, it's that feeling of you're so angry that you end up crying your eyes out. And then that final kind of bridge where he sings, take me away. Do you not think that's, that's the catharsis in that song? I get catharsis. I get, I, I get the catharsis, but I don't get melancholy. But I think since really hearing Glassjaw, everything you ever want to know about silence, I've just been chasing that dragon. Like that's the album for me that really like that big chorus in the title track from that album was like, that changed my DNA somehow or that, that made me feel something. And I've been chasing that dragon ever since. And I think, you know, you, you sort of lightly touch on Finch or, you, you know, you rack a line of 36 crazy fists, but it's not getting you that, that high that Glassjaw got. So maybe I was sort of chasing that. And, and you can hear that in Brock's voice for 36 crazy fists. There was another band around the time as well. I've forgotten their names, but they, they released around the same time. They, had a chorus that was like pow. I can't remember oh, but 5.0 that's the one so we were getting to the point in the music scene where some shit was land filler you know just everyone let's pick up someone that sounds remotely heavy what about this band they're called 5.0 what do they sound like pow. yeah imagine like incubus scatting but with um <laughs> A shirt on. Well, yeah, with in flames musicianship in the background as well. Man, well, this is another Monty Connor signing from like Roadrunner. He was their A&R guy. This is the man who signed Slipknot, Cold Chamber, Sepultura, Soulflight, Glassjaw, Fear Factory, Spineshank, and most importantly, one of our favorite bands, Down the Sun. The dude, oh. the dude knows music. And what's he doing now? Probably subscribe to the Bacho Death Trip Patreon. $35,000 a month gets you some banging content. Actually, gets you absolutely nothing, to be honest. And not one person signed up for it, which is really sad in this economy because we could really use the money. Yeah, we really could, especially with um, England going in a recession. Doesn't matter when it's happening. <laughs> yeah, A broken clock is right two times of the day. So whenever you hear this podcast, you're either in a recession or you're not. But he, he has got some clout about him now, Monty, hasn't he? That's an impressive array of artists that either did big things with Roadrunner or even bigger than that, influenced a, a whole metal scene. I think that might have been what hooked me into this album as well because if, if anything came out on Roadrunner at this time, I was like, I'm in. I'll grab it. I'll listen to it for sure. Oh, yeah, you would definitely. easily get a listen on the PRP.com. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Roadrunner was still handing out CD, you know, like compilation CDs or samplers, weren't they? So I remember grabbing 36 Crazy Fists with it would have been Chimera, Spine Shank, who always used to go out on the road in the UK. Uh, I, I think it was like Viking Skull, or it was one of those England only signings when Roadrunner had offices here. You talk about the new metal scene, it's kind of hard not to talk about Roadrunner Records, which is sad because I think it gets to the point where you hear so many bad stories from artists about Roadrunner kind of ruins the kind of allure and charm and nostalgia that you had. Like, oh my God, I remember listening to The Height of Callousness uh, by Spineshank when, you know, the video for Synthetic came out. And of course it was a Roadrunner band, so I'm going to check it out. And then years later you find out, oh yeah, but they completely fucked over that band, didn't they? So... Maybe the fact I picked it up, the album off a single was mainly because it was a Roadrunner band. 5.0 were a Roadrunner band as well, weren't they? Pretty sure from memory, yeah. Yeah, so it basically became a case of if it was out through Roadrunner Records, more often than not, I'll pick it up. 
36 Crazy Fist was maybe one of the last Roadrunner Records uh, albums I appreciated. Did not give a fuck about Trivium. And I know some of our listeners are big Trivium fans and they'd fucking hate you saying that. Obviously, fucking Brock's voice, you got to talk about it like it's divisive. And even Brock, he told the Mosh Zone podcast a couple of years ago, he was talking about his voice and here's what he had to say. So I've taken a grab from episode nine from the Mosh Zone. It's probably the reason that we're maybe not bigger uh, because of my voice. Maybe. I mean, maybe it is because there's plenty of people that don't dig the band because of the voice. So, uh, and initially Roadrunner, <laughs> to be honest, they liked the music. They weren't sure about the vocals. And wow. that's funny. Yeah, that was the joke in the beginning of that because we all lived together in the same house. And they're like, finally, we got a chance and you're messing it up for us or whatever. You know <laughs> And, you know, all up until that point, I thought I was the main dude, you know, <laughs> so uh, it, it kind of brought me back to planet Earth, that's for sure. And um, but like I said, you know, I have long, long ago accepted that that is uh, what we have in our band that makes us different than the next. But uh, it may not be what everyone's looking for sometimes. And, and that's fine. That's totally fine. And then you guys. So even the label were like, we love the music, but not the voice. But it's weird because the music, it's fine, but it's But the pretty fucking voice makes it. Yeah. The voice makes this album because it's so unique. It feels like there's an honesty to his voice as well with the trembling. I like the fact that sometimes Brock comes across as being sardonic. I got that vibe off Brock a couple of times, that kind of well, isn't this great, the situation I found myself in? Here I go. I'm going to scream myself out of it. That kind of energy, the uniqueness of his voice just adds to that. I'm not there for fucking 36 crazy fists because of the music. Other (laughs) bands are doing similar music. I'm there because, fuck, this vocalist has got a real interesting take. He makes the band, and perhaps at that point in time, his story about, you know, how Roadrunner looked at it. Maybe at that point in time, it was Roadrunner going down the everything has to be cookie cutter. Oh, you've got a real different voice. Yeah, but this is the voice that works. So we're not too sure about it. It's it's the fucking selling point of the whole fucking album. Otherwise, it would just be another new metal release amongst many new metal releases. It'd be trapped, dude. Well, yeah, I can prove you with an example. So I found a singer on YouTube called Ravenface does a great cover of this song, but just in sort of like a normal voice and hear how like nothing against this person's voice. It's awesome. I I would love to have a voice half as good as that, but you can just hear the song lacks something because you're just like, where's Brock's warble? missing something isn't it it just seems too straight too right down the middle doesn't it and yeah i i like brock's kind of 
Oh, I might just meander off a little bit vocally for, for a moment or two. So this album was sort of half written in between 97 and 99 and a little bit sort of towards the release date 2002. And as a result, Brock's like, you know, it's a bit unfocused, this album. We're sort of sick of some songs, writing some others. But in a 1999 demo, listen to how much his voice sounds like Gerard Way's from My Chemical Romance. Well, I think so. I'm interested to hear what you think. <laughs> That verse, it just that seems like Gerard to me. And when you listen to it, you're like, well, there's a singer that can sing. Otherwise, it's just the normal band. Yeah. How could they not see that as the selling point? I got Burt McCracken vibes from it, from the used. But I think it's it's an overt emo kind of emo core voice. Are 36 Crazy Fists considered emo core or are they just considered alternative metal? Fucked if I know, man. I'm not a label boy. I don't know oh, what's going fucking, on. Look it up on Wikipedia. We don't get paid enough to do all the research for you, so just check it out. Um, I get where you're coming from. It's the emotional intent behind the vocals, and I think that that's where Brock excels. Fuck, I don't know why I enjoyed this album, but I really do. <laughs> I'm glad you're with me, man. Thing. What is it? It's just easy to listen to. It's accessible, but it's not shit. I just was thinking, fuck, like Tomahawk didn't connect with my my heart nearly as much as 36 Crazy Fists, you know, but on paper, like it should. Maybe you were surprised by 36 Crazy Fists. You know what you're getting with Tomahawk. You no, know? it was the opposite, I think, because I was so familiar with 36 Crazy Fists. I actually didn't realize how much... I re- retained and remembered. I'm like, I am back in, but mostly on this album. The next album, Snowcap Romance, is I know Brock loves it, but it's decent. But the, I'm all about this album. This this is some nostalgia trip right here for me. I, I want a fucking acoustic album, man, because the last track is a song called Left Hand Charity, and it's it's a quieter song. It's you know harkens back to those early 2000s where the last song had to be a soft sort of ballad to show that. Hey, we're going to let you down gently now after putting you through the ringer. listen to a whole album of that it's basically an emo jason molina it's pre bon Iver, i reckon yeah it's, i was gonna say it's getting absolutely close to being fucking three days grace album <laughs> three days grace track isn't it i hate you know but i i get it you want 36 crazy fists unplugged i want yeah i want mtv unplugged with Amy Lee on a guest track. Maybe if you ask them nicely. Like when I was listening to the album, I, was, I couldn't remember if that was the last track and I was like, fuck, don't dry kill Logic Us, which is when you finish with a beautiful track and then you do a sob. Good night. This is how the album should have ended dry kill Logic. And we've spoken about this in our dry kill Logic episode. Because then it goes to this. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I don't know how familiar you are with Skin Lab, but 
Steve from the band was instrumental in getting 36 Crazy Fist signed. Like I think they met, they toured a bunch together. I think Steve messaged them and was like, or called them probably back in those days. Hey, Monty Connor's coming to, or Roadrunner's coming to check you guys out at this show, put on a good show. He's on the track, Bury Me Where I Fall. Uh, Brock's on one of their tracks. But on their last track on the Skin Lab album, which is called like Revolting Room, Daryl Palumbo from Glassjaw's on there. But it's like 25 minutes of basically like answering machine messages and people just screaming and it's just fucking nothing. I was like, you had a good album, guys, or a decent album. Why did you have to finish with a 25-minute fucking boring-ass, unlistenable wank fest? And, like, how influential Skin Lab then if they got both Daryl and Brock to be involved with them? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're just, like, really solid dudes. Maybe they've got the X Factor. Maybe Daryl's also like, why am I doing this? You know, having an existential crisis just like 36 Crazy Fists put me through. Daryl pops up in some weird places. Yeah, he does pop up in some weird places. But I would have been interested to see what would happen if Daryl Palombo and and Brock and, and what's his name? Nate from Finch. Imagine if there were three or four judges on like the voice emo <laughs> or something like that. I wish they would do like an adult sort of contemporary tour, like the three tenors or something. Gotta be orchestral. Let Brandon Boyd have that orchestral moment. He got so close when they were doing a US tour of Jesus Christ Superstar. And then, you know, it all fell flat. So give Brandon that. If Gavin Rossdale can appear in movies, then <laughs> the least Brandon Boyd can do is appear with an orchestra. I'm glad you fucking feel the same about this album, man. It's it's good. I, I really enjoyed listening to it this week. It's, it was it was refreshing. And they did this really cool thing where they avoided doing a cover. But if you want to know what it sounds like when Brock from 36 Crazy Fists sings a Prince song, I've got to grab here. He did a cover with some band. I haven't fucking written a note, but here here it comes. So that's Everyone Loves a Villain When Doves Cry, featuring Brock from 36 Crazy Fifth. <laughs> Some Prince songs should just be left alone. When Doves Cry is definitely one of those Prince songs that needs to be left alone. But Brock's voice giveth and it taketh away because there's moments like that where you're like, oh man, doesn't fit, doesn't fit. And even on Eight Minutes Upside Down, his voice is pretty fucking whack. I wonder if he was in the studio and he did that take and he's like, oh, I can do it again. They're like, nah, that's fine. Or if he's like, no, I can I can do more vibrato. No, I can do more vibrato. Like, come on, give me a go. I can do the tremolo a bit more. Give me another crack, you know? Was he happy with that take? How many goes did he – what was he trying to get when he was trying to do that take? I don't know. Maybe he just thought, fuck it, I'm in a recording studio now. They didn't like my voice. Yeah. One track, I'm just going to lean into it very hard. Why is Brock new metal Jamie Kennedy? What? Is this a wait, wait, is this a riddle? <laughs> I look at I look at Brock and I think 
for some reason, <laughs> Jamie Kennedy. I don't know why. Oh, I thought it was like, you know, you take three left turns to make it home. When you get home, you met with two men in masks. Who are they? Or what are you doing? You know, I thought it was like a riddle. You've been X'd. No, I, I don't know. Yeah, I you've been X-factored. Always, That's what it is. I've always just looked at him and thought, I wonder if he's related to Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> I think it's the haircut and the facial hair. Maybe it's the the kind of definition on both of their faces. They got very kind of structured bony faces. I don't know. I just for some reason, I always envision what would Jamie Kennedy look like if he was the lead singer of 36 Crazy Fists? Would there be much of a notice or not? Paul McCartney died and was replaced and no one notices. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Brock left the band a long time ago. was replaced by Jamie Kennedy. They made a documentary about it called The Son of the Mask. Yeah, and this whole thing's been a Jamie Kennedy experiment. <laughs> At the 25th uh, anniversary of Bitterness the Star, Jamie Kennedy is like, you got axed. He's really not that funny of a, of a performer, Jamie Kennedy, is he? He's, he's, he's anyway. our generation's Tony Clifton. Oh, We'll talk about that during the advert break. What have you plundered our money on this week? Well, to be honest, man, I don't actually have um, an ad this week. I've been chasing doctor advertisement. Do you remember like ages ago we got that shitty fucking ad? It was like, what if Jim Carrey was a singer in a band? Oh, God. No, I tried to put that in the back of my, in the back of my mind, dude. No. The dude was like, yeah, you get what you get. If you want a better ad, you got to go the platinum thing. And I was like, fucking... All right, fine. Give you my credit card details. Let's get this over with. And I've just been emailing him over and over and over again. And I, I haven't had any reply. I'll just you got mail. Check oh, my sorry. email. You oh, got shit. mail. Oh, shit. Oh, all, all good. All good. I just got an email from Doctor Advertisement. Then, okay, email is okay. It's um, Bacho Death Trip Advertisement Deluxe Edition. Cool. All right, and there's an attachment here. Oh, it's a .ogg. I don't even know how to play that. I need to get it in my Windows Media Player. Um, okay, no, it's called What If Austin Powers Was Singer in Band? I mean, I hope this is better than the Jim Carrey one, but uh, let's open up and have a listen. Baby. Baby. I can be your Baby. Baby, 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 I feel like it went a bit over my head. Let me just give my friend Dr. Satire a call and just see what he makes all this. If I should get a refund or just just let it go, you know? Give me a second. Oh, pick up. Pick up. Fucking. 
Fucking Dr. Advertising. I don't know if I'll use him again, hey. Come on. Hello, Dr. Satire. How can I help you? Oh, hey, Dr. Satire. How you doing, mate? It's Big yeah, Riggs from the Butt Show Death Trip Podcast. Oh, uh, Big Riggs. How you doing, man? Um, hey, look, sorry to bother you so late no, at night. I just fine. got a quick question. Yeah? Hey, I, you know Dr. Advertisement? Yeah, he's my second cousin. Did you know that? Yeah, oh, no. No, I wasn't aware of that. Okay, that's cool. Oh, but uh, yeah, he's look, a cool guy. I signed up and I got an ad from him like a few weeks ago and it was like, what if Jim Carrey was singing in a band? It was just like, it was just Jim Carrey from The Mask, just the word smoking put in songs. It wasn't great. I heard that though. And so I got the deluxe package. I thought maybe that would be a bit better, but he's sort of done the same thing. It's just Austin Powers, like that, yeah, baby, but put into songs that already had the word baby in it. I, I don't know, like... Is this actually like high level satire or is this just, am I getting ripped off here? Or both? Like yeah. what, what, what's going on? Well, I mean, a few questions. I think, was it really hastily put together? Was it sort of like knowing in its shitness? Like, mm. do you think Dr. Advertisement made a lot of effort? Yeah. Like, yeah. What's your initial reaction there? No, no. It seems like he just did it on his couch on a Sunday morning, if, if I'm honest. Like it's, it's pretty shabbily done. I, there doesn't seem to be much much in there. I don't know. I can't really extrapolate or get any really insight into what he's trying to say or, you know, but that's why, that's why I come to you, Dr. Satire, you know, you know, satire better than anyone. Yeah. I mean, I did do my seven year degree in it. Um, Mm -hmm. and I look, I know Dr. Advertisement and and I listen to the podcast. Like I'm an avid, but show dead trip listener. I'm on the hashtag three, five K forever family. If destroyed, still true. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in deep. and, And I think, Without having heard it, of course, is mm-hmm. I think Dr. Advertisement's sort of making a comment on how content is king and just like people yeah. are just accepting any sort of slapdash bit of, you know, vague attempt of humor that taps into nostalgia and, I don't know, whimsy, as long as oh, it distracts yeah. them for 10 seconds. And by the time yeah. they realize it's actually pretty shit, they've moved on to like four other things, you know, a new TikTok challenge, they're chomping on Tide Pods, whatever it might be, you know, so yeah. they're just scrolling through Netflix, not selecting anything. So I think he's sort of making a comment that like back when art was really art, you know, around your Austin Powers era where movies really had something to say and they they made a comment about something and they made a mirror up to society. Yeah. A la the spy who shagged me and that sort of thing. International Man of Mystery. I I think he wants to go back to those days, but he's trapped in the the lens of a post pandemic sort of COVID world. We're not post really, are we? Just all Tiger King. Oh, yeah. And Instagram reels and house party Zoom meetings sort of things. Mm. And, you know, that sort of transient nature of, of online clicks that don't really amount to anything but people are so desperate to have. It's I think it's about the fickle nature of the human psyche at the moment. So I think... Uh, oh. yeah, okay, I can I see think, that. Oh, that's my cat. Sorry. I think I've, right. got to, I've got to go feed that guy. But, um, yeah, I'll just, I, I think Dr. Advertisement's done a great job and you should probably... Maybe even tip him like 35K. Does he have that option on his website? Yeah, definitely. I've seen it before. Yeah, I've been no, get, yeah. no, just tip an extra 35K just to say okay. thanks and def- yeah. definitely run the ad on the podcast. I think it's uh, cool. quite funny. And I think your listeners are smart enough to understand uh, what it's about. But uh, yeah, maybe not Connery, great but, to hear yeah. from you. I've, you've got to go feed my cat, but I'll, um, okay. I'll, I'll see you later. All right, mate. Thanks so much. Bye. Baby. <laughs> Right, he he couldn't have clipped that little laugh after he said baby. <laughs> it's intentionally. So basically what you're saying is that 
everything that's happening in the world right now is shoddy and shit, not because people are incapable of doing jobs and tasks because they're distracted by a 24 hour cycle of news and popular culture. No, it is intentionally done because we are entrapped in a world of 24 hour news and popular culture. Is that what that Dr. Satire was getting at? Oh, God, I've got a nose bleed again. Take over. Fuck. I feel the metaness. Uh, uh, it's, it's, trying to, it's trying to emerge out my belly button. Warn me next time when you get meta referential. You know, I've been having this problem. There's been too much of it. You've been red pilled. Yeah, I know. I feel so. Sometimes I'll wake up in, in a cold sweat in the middle of the night and I'll just be like, Alex Jones is right. And I don't like that, man. I think I'm definitely, that's due to blood loss. So while I'm tending to that, did you want to get today's game sorted out? Man, today's game is fucked. It is the dumbest game I reckon we've ever done. Here's how I got to where I got, okay? Some background psychonaut. What do you know of the hit TV show Home Improvement? Yeah, quite a lot. I was a fan back in the day. It's kind of hard not to be a fan when, you know, yeah, you know, it just became catchphrases, didn't it? Yeah. So for listeners who are not aware, it ran from what? Not early 90s to the late 90s with Tim the Toolman Taylor. Pamela Anderson was on it. Can you just list some of the characters? Can I list some of the characters? Tim the Toolman Taylor. Mm -hmm. You got uh, his kids whose names I've forgotten. Simba. Zachary Ty Bryan was an actor. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. It's been a while. You've got um, his neighbor over the fence that used to peep over all the time and dispense kind of wisdom. Yep. Tim would often and go to him and ask for advice. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then you've also got, oh, what was his name? His, his co-star on Tool Time. Yep. Richard Cairn, I know the actor's oh, name. Oh, you know that, but you don't know the character. name Al Borland? Oh, Al Borland, there you go. It's been a while since I've watched Home Improvement. Well, it's been a while since anyone's watched it, probably about 20 no, years. No, people, people will stream it still because that'll be the next post-ironic thing. Oh, yeah, let's just watch uh, Home Improvement because it's basically uh, as a story of deconstructing uh, you know, toxic masculinity because he's always making a problem. I'm waiting for the day when people come up and do critical gender studies about home improvement. But yeah, <laughs> but what's what's what what's that got to do with 36 Crazy Fists? Okay, so w- let's link it all together. All right, we've got 36 Crazy Fists. They're from Alaska. Al Al Borland. All right, then oh god, we've got. Alaska, it sounds like I'll ask her, but I'll ask him. And that's Tim the Toolman Taylor saying, hey, I've got a problem in my life. I'm going to go to my neighbor who's always peering over the fence. You're right. And I'm going to ask him a question. Alaska. So Tim the Toolman Taylor, he often grunted like you alluded to. Uh? And I thought, what if I got that grunt and I used it to recreate vocal melodies from five hit songs? Could Psycho Nort guess the songs from The Grunt? Uh? Now, now do you see how I got here? Tenuously, but yeah, go on. All right. So I've got five songs. They're the vocal melodies using Tim the Toolman Taylor's Grunt. Uh? Are you ready? Uh, Yeah, hit the click. Uh, 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 uh. 
I got it. It is uh, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Yeah! Well done, man. Oh, that was, I love that game. It's so good in my headphones. All right, this next one is a real challenge. Are you ready? Yeah. Do you have any idea what that is? No fucking clue. If I told you that was John Lennon and his song Imagine, what would you say? I'd say it's kind of hard when his vocals pitch up at the end of everything. So I like to imagine a world where John Lennon was writing Imagine going, fuck, this is going to be good when Tim the Tourman Taylor's grunting this. Next one. Here we go. You're 50%. All right. Pink Panther theme. Pink Panther theme. Please just stop it. Okay, stop it. It's the Pink Panther theme. <laughs> this is why I don't tell my coworkers what I do on the weekend. They sound more like burps. It sounds like you're playing songs with burps. Like, what's the next song? And listen. Well, yeah, I'm well aware it sounds like burps, but it wasn't designed to come in rapid succession. Like Tim the Toolman Taylor, when he was grunting, uh-huh. he allowed time and space for it to be sort of absorbed uh, and fully resonate. Bullshit, bullshit, Riggs. This is your codified way of saying, please don't answer straight away. Let let people digest Tim the Toolman Taylor's dulcet tones. So I'll wait until the end. Uh-huh. Do you know what that is? No fucking clue again. That is Blink-182's What's My Age Again? (laughs) It was a Friday night (laughs) to get the feeling right. Can you hear it then? Vaguely, yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. You're 50%, man. All right. This next one, man. Let's see if you can uh, go above 50%. Last one. This one could be the most fucked one. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Sakano, do you know what that is? I have no idea what it is. I'm that sorry. was Can't Take My Eyes Off of You by Frankie Valley. Also, a song from Son of the Mask, oddly enough. I'm sorry, man. That uh, that was so hard. Hopefully the listeners at home did a better job. Imagine like, you're like, oh, I really like this Butcher Death Trip podcast and you put on and you're cleaning the house and then your partner walks in and just like, what the fuck are you listening to? Oh, Tim the Toolman Taylor grunting some Blink-182. What do you listen to to clean the house? I, I enjoyed talking about 36 Crazy Fists. Uh, the X Factor, but, you know, what do you think as the listener uh, hit us up on Instagram, Gmail, you know, all the usual outlets. No, don't hit us up. I don't want to ever. I'm going to deny I've ever had this conversation. As of now, I do not actually like 36 Crazy Fists. I've never heard of the band. I'll check them out one day. That's going to be my official line. So what band are we not going to enjoy by the end of the episode and the next podcast? Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf. Like that. That's now, this, this was a fan request, wasn't it? Yeah. Didn't Timoz recommend it? Uh, I, I believe uh, that T T Bone did, yeah, yeah, and I'm pretty sure Connor has bullied me at some point for it, and I can confirm Doctor Drums has been lined up to appear on that. You can't do an episode on Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf, with Dave fucking Grohl drumming, and not have Doctor Drums on. Is Doctor Drums basically gonna do like a, a 15 minute expose? Well, I've already wired him the $35,000 booking appearance fee, so... That's fine. Has he given you your passport back yet? Not at all. Optus have that. They they can they can share that with whoever they want. Kind of hoping that Optus aren't the, uh, at the network that people are listening to this podcast on. I heard that uh, it flicks a, a microchip secretly installed in the head. So you hear, I've been watching Severance too much. Everyone should watch Severance. You could get an Apple Plus membership now for fucking anything, you know? Like, oh, I've just wiped my bum in a public toilet. Congratulations. Here's three months of, you know, Apple TV for free. So take advantage of it. What's severance, you know? And uh, do you want to hear the most big rigs thing I've done recently? And it's to do with severance. I watched two episodes of severance and I was like, I fucking love this. This is so good. I can't be fucked watching it though. I'm going to watch a 12 minute recap on YouTube and I was loving that recap. And the, you know, the ending, I was like, Oh my God, that's crazy. But yeah, loving a show just couldn't sit still long enough to get through it. So a whole season condensed into 12 minutes was what I was looking for. You know, they say that passive audio is the future of communications. I think uh, passing visuals is going to be the next thing, you know, like, why bother reading a book when you can just get the Cliff Notes version of the book instead? So that's gonna that that's basically gonna be movies in the future, isn't it? Why bother watching a whole movie when you can just condense it down into 15 minutes of explosions and oh god, oh god, the nosebleed is starting again. All right, while Psychonaut is cleaning up his mess, thank you so much. We'll see you. In a couple of weeks for Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf. Next week, I've got D.W. Norton from Super Heist on the podcast, and it's a fucking good episode. Yes, he answers the questions about where Burger is. Yes, he talks about recording the prize recruit. He goes big on some big day out stories. He talks about the new album stuff. It's And he even like, uh, plays some unreleased stuff that he's been working on. So, yeah, 
it's good. It's a really good episode. And then we'll see you in two weeks, Psychonaut, for Queens of the Stone Age. Not Queen of the Damned, which I always get in my head. Oh, God, I watched that again last night. Why? I think I've come to the conclusion that I enjoy it because it's just so fucking bad. Stuart Townsend is devoid of any fucking charisma. That's a pretty important thing to have when you're playing a vampire, you know. The fucking two best things about that movie, in order, are Alia and the soundtrack. That's it. Yeah, that's what they were banking on. That's pretty much all their promo material. And uh, uh, here now uh, to play us off as a special guest, uh, we bring back once again Tim Allen. Tim, take us away. Uh, 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 uh,